You know, in, 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 in my Greek heritage, what we say on, on, on today uh, is Christos Anesti. Can I teach you some Greek this morning? Is that, is that okay? Christos Anesti. Christos Anesti. Christ is risen. Apollo Pasqua. Bona Italia. See, you, you did exactly what I wanted to do this morning. Because I don't want to just teach a Greek. Why don't we do it? You know, whatever, what, what other languages have we got here this morning that says Christ is risen? Spanish. What about Spanish? Feliz Pascua. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you say it much better. Yeah. Any, any, anyone? I, I, I'm sorry? Anyone else? German? Oh, awesome. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, W. Portuguese. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Anybody else? You know, can we can we just do? If I count to three, can we do a, just a shout out at three? Whatever language you want to do it in. Okay. I think that's awesome. One, two, three. Every time. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation come together with one thing and one thing alone today, that he is risen. You know, without that, without that, we are most lost. Without that. And that's what we celebrate today, is a risen Savior, is an alive Savior, is a God who's met us at the very lowest ebb of our humanity and has transformed our lives. And, and <clears throat> there, there's a lot of excitement about that. And, and we're ending a series that we've been going through for the last three weeks. Here's week four. And I thought I would end the series on, on this whole topic of scars that we've been talking about. Because it's very, very significant that even on a day when we celebrate a risen Savior, the scars of Jesus, as the video has, has showed us, teaches us some very important things about God, our relationship with God, and the difference it made that Jesus was willing to bear scars for us. And, we t- and we've talked the last number of weeks that scars tell, uh, you know, every scar tells a story. And, and, and if we're all human, which we all are, <laughs> you know, we can all say, I have the scars to prove it. I, you know, I'm, I'm alive. I can prove that I'm alive because I have the scars to prove it. And every one of us know that, that scars are, are a difficult thing, that we all hold on to those things. Often, often they define us. Often they, they characterize us. Often we, we because of them, uh, we deal in relationships in a very unique way or, or we're cautious or, 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 or we tread lightly into certain areas where those scars still hurt. And, and, and we've said a, f- a couple of weeks ago that our scars are a painful reminder of the very worst that life and humanity can deliver. And we talk as well about hurt people hurting people. And that our lives are often far more characterized by the scars that we bear in life than we want to admit. And we know that every scar tells a story, and if we were to go through each person here today, 
I know, I know, every one of you has a scar that you could communicate. You can, you can tell us how it's affected you. You can tell it's affected your life, the relationships, the decisions you've made. The list goes on and on and on. And again, over the last number of weeks, we've been looking at a, real, a prophetic passage that was 700 years before Jesus even walked the earth. And the prophet Isaiah talked about a suffering Savior, a person who would come, who would suffer to such a degree that would be able to resonate with the scars that we have, and his scars would be able to do something for us that we could never do for ourselves. And we've looked at that passage in a number of ways. And if you haven't been awestruck at the word of God, that some 700 years before Jesus even came, a prophet was able to talk you know, so powerfully about a person who would come and bear the sins of the entire world, not just the nation of Israel. And we've talked about... How do we break the cycle of scars in our lives? How do we change it? How do we you know, become, you know, transform ourselves from hurt people hurting people to forgiven people forgiving people? And that's what we want to talk about today because, because the beauty and the wonder of this day and what it represents is something that's resonated for centuries. It'll continue to resonate until the Lord comes back. And it'll be, it, it is, and it is, the most powerful message on this planet. So we're going to look at the last part of this prophetic passage from Isaiah, some 700 years before Jesus came. And let me read it for you. Amazing. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life was made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants... He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier, because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for, for rebels. We were all rebels, right? <laughs> you know? It, it's a beautiful passage. And it's acknowledged that it's, it was even in the plan of God for Jesus to suffer. Isn't that amazing that before the foundation of the world, God knew that we would drift from him, that we would, we would separate ourselves from him, that he would have to do something to redeem us, to bring us back to him, something that we couldn't have achieved on our own. I know we love to work. I know we love to be able to say that, that we've done something good in and of ourselves to be able to acquire this this thing called heaven, this, this eternal place where we go and, we, and, 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 and can live in partnership and in, in fellowship with God. But the reality is, the reality is, a perfect, holy, righteous God demands something from us that we cannot achieve on our own because we're fallen creatures. And yet God loved us so much. This is the good news part, right? You know, we hear the bad news part all the way. But the good news part is, is God loved us so much. God cared about our situation so much. 
God wanted to be in fellowship with us so much that he gave us his son. And the son suffered to such a degree that no matter what it is in our lives that we have done, no matter what it is that we've been scarred by, no matter how low or, or far from grace we think we have fallen, Jesus is, has been there. Isn't it amazing that Jesus would be willing to experience the very worst that humanity could deliver so that no matter what has happened to you, you can go to faith, to Christ in faith, and Jesus would say to you, I know exactly what you're going through. I know exactly where you've been. I know exactly why it hurts. I know exactly what the pain is like. I know exactly what you're going through. I don't know about you, but to have a God who is so in touch with us as his creation is an amazing story in and of itself. In and of itself. You know, Jesus was very, uh, very attuned to this as well. Do you know, in, in Luke 18, I'm really intrigued. Jesus is with his disciples at the Gospel of Luke. And listen, listen what the passage says. Taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus said to them, Listen, listen, guys, we're going to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning me will come true. This is one of the passages we're talking about here. All the prophets are going to come true. I will be handed over to the Romans and will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon. They will flog me and whip me and kill me. Then he says this, but on the third day I will rise again. But they didn't understand any of this. The significance of his words were hidden from them, and they failed to grasp what he was talking about. Isn't that amazing that they failed to grasp what he was talking about? Listen, I, I like to think if I was one of the disciples and Jesus had said that to me, I would have said, uh, Jesus, time out. Uh, the whole whipping, flogging, I, I, I almost kind of get that, but this third day, what? You're going to rise from where? I, I, I think I would have had a few more questions to ask. It's amazing, right? That Jesus was very much aware of what was going to happen. Now, I'm gonna, I am going to jump ahead because after the resurrection, look at this passage from 1 Peter. Here's the Apostle Peter. Listen to what he writes. Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. And I love this line. By his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. It is an amazing passage. I love how Peter, the practical realities of the resurrection, that he was there. He walked alongside Jesus. He had breakfast with Jesus at the end of John's gospel and sat there and talked to him about what the future would hold for Peter. And Peter here, seeing with the resur- was the resurrected Christ, recognized right away that the passage we just read in Luke, what the prophets were saying about Jesus, that it was a reality. It was, it was something that, that the whole world had to hear now. But here's the beauty. 
here's the thing that just astounds me. Here's the resurrection of God. Here's the resurrection of Jesus. This glorious thing that we're, that we're looking at today. This, this wonderful thing that we're celebrating today. The, the hope that we have in our faith because of it. And yet, with all the glory that this story brings, Jesus' hands still show the marks of crucifixion. Why? Why is it that a resurrected Savior, the glory of of Christ, uh, that's defeated death, is victorious over the grave? All these wonderful things that we sing and we celebrate. But if Jesus was here right now and and, and the glory of, of, of him shining through the room, he would hold up his hands and there would still be marks in his hands from the crucifixion. And you have to wonder why. You have to wonder why? Isn't it amazing that, that when Thomas, at the end of John's gospel, said, I'm not going to believe that Jesus has risen from the dead unless I can take my hands, unless I can take my fingers and touch his side, touch his hands. And when, and when Thomas actually saw Jesus, even though he said, I need to touch them, once he saw Jesus, nothing mattered anymore. He didn't ask, could I touch them? I need to actually feel that they're there. Instead, Thomas saw Jesus and right away said, my Lord and my God. Recognized it right away. You know, just this morning, just before uh, service this morning, somebody came to me and, and, and told me about two books that, that are uh, Christian books that are uh, hot on the press right now. A lot of people are reading um, about two young boys, um, two different stories of them going into heaven, having, I guess, near, near-death experiences. One, I think one is heaven is real or, or whatever, and they're uh, six and ten, I think. I'm not sure what the ages are, but, but two separate stories, two young boys who, who claim they've, they've been you know, taken up into heaven. In both those stories, even though they're separate, even though they're different, in both those stories, they talk about seeing Jesus and seeing the markers. And the parents didn't know what the markers meant. And when they asked further, it was the marks of the crucifixion still on Jesus' hands. Isn't it amazing that, that the marks stay there to remind us of the price that Jesus paid to guarantee an eternity for us. The resurrection scars are there to say, hey, I've been there, experienced everything that you've experienced, and I've defeated the very worst that humanity can bring, the very worst that humanity and life can bring. So we said at the very first of uh, this series that every scar tells a story. What is the story that Jesus' scars tell us? So here are the resurrection scars. and We've got three short points that I want to do. Um, they're all right there. How nice. Okay. Number one, our scars are not fatal. Okay? Our scars are not fatal. You know, we talked about how scars are a painful reminder of our humanity and our life and all it has to offer. You know, um, but it's interesting to me that 
that Jesus' scars are there to remind us of something very important. Now, I love being in a life group, by the way. Our, our life group, there's some really powerful things that come out of our life group. I don't know what, how, what you guys have been experiencing in the last four weeks being in a life group with all of this that's going on, but we've had some really neat stuff. You know, somebody in our life group last week said, you know, the scars that we bear are, are the scars that would naturally come from just being human but just being born into this world, that's the nature of the scars that we bear, the nature of the life that we live and all of that. And, and, and they made this wonderful connection to Jesus talking about being born again. That we are new creations. That the scars of Jesus allow us to begin brand new. That when Jesus, when we are touched by Jesus, then we, we, we allow our scars to be touched by Jesus. The painful things of this life are transformed to glorious things, are transformed to things that become great witnesses of what God can do in our lives. How many people do we know who have had terrible things happen to them, but have been touched by God in a very, very special way? And the very thing that was a scar for them, that could have derailed them, that could have taken them to a dead end, that could have destroyed their lives, that could have made them just bitter and angry, became a means by which they were able to touch others. That now others had courage because of it. Others had strength because of it. Others had hope because of it. Others were encouraged to live their lives and not to allow something that they were probably victimized by not to define who they are, but to be defined by what God says of them. That God loves them, that God holds them dear, that they are made in God's image, that they are made in God's image. That's a beautiful picture. Beautiful picture. And we said that hurt people hurt people. But when you're touched by Jesus, you become forgiven. And forgiven people forgive people. You see, if you're here this morning and you've been hurt by the church, it's because we've forgotten that. We have forgotten that forgiven people forgive people. We've stepped outside of the grace that's been given to us and apologize for that. But sometimes we forget that forgiven people are forgiven people because you come from a totally different place. Isn't that right? If you're a forgiven person, you acknowledge that forgiveness and you long to forgive others, that's a much different place than being a hurt person wanting to hurt others. Isn't that true? A person who's loved and cared for, loves and cares for others, because it's a totally different place that you come from. That's how we break the cycle, by the way. That's, how, that's, that's, that's why the power of Christ to live in our lives breaks the cycle of the things in humanity that, that, that allow scars to continue. And there's nothing that we can't surrender to Jesus. Secondly, our failures are not final. Are you glad that your failures are not final? <laughs> I don't know about you, but, you know, uh, there, there's, there's, 
so many times in our lives that we think we've gotten derailed, we're off the rails, we're not coming back, no one's ever going to want us, no one's ever going to, you know. But our failures are not final. I came, I came across a, a website recently. It's called Dear Me. You're, you're going to love this. A letter to my 16-year-old self. And, and, and they've, they've, they've uh, gotten all these uh, popular people, authors, um, uh, actresses, actors, all, all kinds of people uh, who are writing letters back to their 16-year-old self to give advice. You know, what would you, what would you, you know, for those of you here, what would you say to your 16-year-old self? What would you love to say to your 16-year-old self as advice? Right? That you wish somebody had told you when you were 16. Right? Um, Here's just a few examples. Gillian Anderson of the X-Files fame. um, She talks about her teenage struggle with body image and boyfriends. And And she writes this. Dear me, if you spent a quarter of the time thinking about others instead of the way you hate your thighs, your level of contentment and self-worth would expand exponentially. Then she says, P.S., follow your dreams, not your boyfriends. (laughs) Eileen Fulton, the actress, writes to her younger self, do not change your name. Margaret McClarty is a very good name. So what if people have trouble pronouncing it? They finally got Schwarzenegger, Zellweger, and Bacharach right, didn't they? <laughs> and novelist Jody Picoult's advice to her younger self. Calculus. Trust me, you will never use it. For all you teachers out there, I'm really sorry. (laughs) I'm, yeah, I I don't, yeah, that was just too funny to leave out. But our failures are not final. And as much as we want to write back to our 16-year-old self, we can't do that. But God, you know, God enters into your life wherever you are and changes it from there. That's 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 the beautiful thing about resurrection scars. Number three is our faith is not futile. Our faith is not futile. As, as, as we've gathered in this place today, right, our faith is not futile. We celebrate a risen Savior that everything Jesus said, everything Jesus did, everything Jesus promised, everything that Jesus attached hope and eternity to, Became, became valid the minute he stepped off the tomb and, and, and came out victorious, you know? Sometimes all we have left is faith, isn't it? That the scars of life come in in such a way that, we, that it makes us doubt our faith. We sort of go, well, is it worth it? Is, is this what it's, what, what it's going to end up with for me? But the reality is, is our faith is not futile. It's amazing to me that every time Jesus encountered somebody somebody and did something miraculous in their lives, that Jesus, as they were walking away, he would say to them, your faith has made you well. 
You never get Jesus saying, your money made you well. Your parents made you well. Your nationality made you well. Your spouse made you well. He said, your faith has made you well. Acts 4.12 says this so beautifully. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. You know, I've had a lot of people in the last uh, three weeks send me a lot of emails, and boy, um, it's been really encouraging. And, and I know, and and. And I've been really touched because a lot of them have been very private. You've sort of spoken to me about the reality of this series. Uh, But many of you have said, you know, are you going to ever talk about the good side of scars? And I kind of hope I did today. (laughs) Um, But there is a good side. You know, how many of us bear something that God has touched in an incredible way? How many of us have been drawn closer to others, drawn closer to God because of what we endure today? How many of us have have come to the realization that life is short, that that the things that we are driven by in this life pale in comparison to a life of faith and and a life of purpose that is built on Him and Him alone? That no matter what enters into this life, no matter what enters into this life, faith in Christ will be able to help us manage and endure and have the hope of eternity because, because of what Jesus was willing to do for us. And I know in the midst of our struggles, we sometimes forget that. But how many of us have been able to touch somebody else because we bear the same scar they do? And what a difference it makes Because instead of gathering together with collective scars and being able to say, oh, this is terrible, this is awful, instead we can say, you know, as difficult as it is, my hope is in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Because I know that we live in a world that is characterized by sin, decay, death, Our scars are often the door that allows God to enter. Our scars are the door that often allows God to enter and rearrange our lives so they have alignment with his. Because our scars become the very best advertisement for God. Because God can heal, God can restore, God can redeem, God can reconcile. That's the amazing power of the resurrection. Listen, to realize the value of a sister or a brother, ask someone who doesn't have one. To realize the value of 10 years, ask a newly divorced couple. To realize the value of four years, ask a graduate. To realize the value of one year, ask a student who's just failed the final exam. To realize the value of nine months, 
fill in the blanks. To realize the value of one month, ask a mother who just gave birth to a premature baby. To realize the value of one week, ask the editor of a new weekly newspaper. <laughs> or a guy who's got to preach every Sunday. <laughs> Sorry, just had to throw that. To realize the value of one minute, ask a person who just missed the bus, train, or plane. <laughs> to realize the value of one second, ask the person who has just survived an accident. Is the resurrection important? Yeah, you bet. It's everything. It is everything. It is the greatest story ever told that the scars of Jesus are all about redemption, healing, restoration, and a deep love that God has for each and every one of you. If you're here this morning and you don't know what we're talking about, or you want to find out more, don't, don't leave without talking to somebody here. We have our prayer room just beside the resource center. As you're leaving, uh, you could go and pray with someone there this morning. You can talk to one of the ushers or one of, our, one of the staff that's here. We would love to talk to you about this because this is an amazing, an amazing story. An amazing story that God loved this, this month. I want to close with a little um, prayer from Friar Richard Rohr who wrote this. He says... He prays, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for becoming a human being so I do not have to pretend to try to be God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for becoming finite and limited so I do not have to pretend that I am infinite and limitless. I thank you, crucified God, for becoming mortal so I do not have to try to make myself immortal. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for becoming inferior so I do not have to pretend that I am superior to anyone. I thank you for being crucified outside the walls, for being expelled and excluded like the sinners and the outcasts, so you can meet me where I am, where I feel that I am, because I always feel outside the walls of worthiness. Do the scars of Jesus matter? Yeah, they do, because they make all the difference in the world. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. On this Resurrection Sunday, on the day that we celebrate the greatest story ever told, we know that you have been victorious over sin and death. And the very things in our own lives, Lord, that we're fearful of, that we struggle with, are the very things you have defeated, that you have beaten. And we thank you for those who hold faith this morning in the resurrected Lord and the promise of eternity with you because of that hope. But I pray this morning for those, Lord, who are still living with their scars and have not yet come to the place where they recognize that Jesus suffered for them, died for them, rose again for them so they, they could be healed so that they could be restored 
so that they could have a new life transformed by the power of God. We thank you for the celebration of this day. In Jesus' name, amen.